It's the first episode in our first ever Fast Play 5 mini-series, where we're going to be counting down our five favourite vocal performances per major phase of Disney. This episode, we're counting down our five favourite vocal performances from the 1930s to the 1950s. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Kelly Meehan, and welcome to Doing Disney. Today is a momentous occasion. It is the first episode in our Fast Play 5 mini-series. Every month we're going to be discussing those special voices who make characters come to life and enter our hearts. If you ever watched Disney on DVD in the mid-2000s, you may remember the selection menu with Fast Play to skip straight to the film, so we honour that and skip straight to the five favourites of the topic. This week we're kicking off with vocal performances of the 30s to 50s. I have two amazing special guests with me, Amanda Van Heil and Clay Johnson. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for, for having me back. You know, you'll probably end up having to cut half of what I say just to make sure that the the uh, the episode fits. Um, but I, I think we'll have a fun conversation regardless. I'm very excited to get to talk about some of my favorite Disney voice moments. Because I've got a lot. It was really hard. Like, honestly, I could have picked, like, everybody just from one movie easily. Oh, yeah. I ran into oh, that, too. I feel that. Start at the beginning. So, as it should be said for every Fast Play 5, there are only a limited number of spaces and many amazing choices to pick from, so hard cuts must be made. Fast Play 5's come down to favorites, as is every category on the podcast, and each person is entitled to their picks. Just because something doesn't make the list doesn't mean we don't like it. I encourage quirky, out-of-the-box choices because the theory of the podcast is finding out how various people do Disney. So it comes down to personal opinion and how you want to make the list. Uh, let's kick off with Amanda. What's your number five choice? So my number five choice was Eleanor Audley's performance as Maleficent because of the way she captured evil incarnate. I'm going to stop you there. Okay. And we might spin back around and jump on that one later. Okay. Because that, that might pop up on another list in a very high okay. position. Okay. <laughs> Clay, what's your number five pick? Okay. So first of all, I'm going to preface my entire list by saying, and I told you two this, I, basically what I did when I was making this list, because I was like, I just realized that there were so many performances that I wasn't thinking of. So I went movie by movie and made a list of every single one that I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah, that was good, too. And so, like, I could have made, like, four different lists. So um, there was a lot of whittling down, uh, a lot of tough cuts. Uh, it just means that my... Um, my uh, uh, honorable mentions could be an entirely another podcast. Um, but yeah, so uh, getting into uh, my number five pick, I definitely wanted to do something a little bit out of the box. Uh, and I will say there probably aren't going to be a lot of uh, entries here in from the, uh, the package films. So I wanted to kick off with my number five pick, uh, 
like I said, a little out of the box, not necessarily from a voice actor, but from a singing group, the Andrews Sisters, specifically okay. their performance of, because uh, they, they did little too, but my favorite, Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. It is the reason that Make Mine Music is my favorite um, package film, because I love that short. And uh, just got to say, I don't even think I told this to you after you did this episode, but this would have been a dark horse pick for best couple because I love this story. Oh. Uh, and I, I love the way the Andrews sisters narrate it. But basically the entire thing, just like Little Toot, is a song that is then animated while you're hearing the, the story told to you by the vocals of the Andrews sisters and Anybody that's not familiar with the Andrews Sisters, they were a huge singing group in the 40s and early 50s. Um, really, uh, really successful. So, you know, obviously, uh, th this was basically the equivalent of stunt casting at the time. This would have been like getting Robin, I mean, not to, not in the same uh, vein, ob obviously, but like when Robin Williams did the genie, you know, People knew the An Andrews sisters. They were familiar voices for them. So hearing them in any shorts or anything like that was a, was a big thing. And like I said, I just really love this story. It's sweet and uh, just uh, very well told. And I think the Andrews sisters uh, really sell it. Right. Amanda, what are your thoughts on the Andrews sisters and Johnny Fedorell's bonnet story? You know, I love the Andrews sisters. It's like, it just, and as soon as Clay mentions package films, I just was like, oh, because the, <laughs> the package films are just like the death of me when it comes to Disney trivia. But I didn't even think of that by at all when I was coming up like, with like lists. I'm like trying to come up with like different performances that I just really like. But I I did chorus when I was like in middle school and high school and everything. Um, and a lot of times I was in like the special like advanced choruses and we would do like Andrew sisters, like trios, like my best nice. friend and her little sister and I would like, we did like a Memorial day thing like several years ago. Hmm. And so we were the Andrew sisters for that. And we had so nice. much fun. Yeah. So like I, I get excited anytime I hear them. Oh, that's great. Um, Andrew's sisters definitely wasn't even one I was thinking because I've got some packed films bubbling around, so we won't be finished with that. But not having a purely um, vocal group, like a, a song to make it, I think is a really cool choice. When I first watched the package films, this is the only short from Make My Music I walked away remembering and being able to hum because that melody is really quite infectious. It's just really lovely. It bobs along, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I yeah. thought this is a great choice, Clay. So um, my number five, sticking in the realm of package films, is Jose Oliveira as Jose Carioca. So this is definitely my outside-the-box pick. I've always really liked those characters that are on the outer circle of Mickey and Friends, your Horace Horse Collar, Clarabelle Cow, and what the three caballeros and ducktails is to Donald. So being, I like whenever those characters tend to be legacy characters and used back into other things. So they would come back in different Mickey Mouse shorts or uh, I think maybe House of Mouse or things like that. So just always appreciating the legacy of what these are. And Jose Carioca with this great design. I think it's a parrot. I want to say parrot. Lurking. I think it's a parrot. Beautiful green yeah. bird. 
beautiful yeah. green bird, beautiful feathers, <laughs> this awesome little jaunt hat, cigar, umbrella. I love his look. Such a good design. And, of course, Jose Oliveira brings that Latin smoothness and suaveness to it. So he's actually in two of the time. We've got Saludos Amigos and three Caballeros. But if I have to pick one, I'll go Caballeros because I like to see the three of them together. We get a lot more of him in that. And then I really like the song that he sings about fire. I think that's a really good one. And we get that lead into Aurora Miranda and then walking down the street and more interaction of him. So he's just a very charming character. Clay, what are your thoughts on Jose Carioca? Um, You know, when you first started saying the name, I was like, okay, package films, Jose, I bet you that's Jose Carioca. Um, because, because, yeah, I mean, the, the look is great. I mean, he looks like your stereotypical, uh, Cuban man from that, that day and age. Um, you know, uh, and yeah, I mean, I will say I, I have actually heard people who have told me that their favorite Disney film is the three caballeros, um, I've never really been able to get into uh, that one that much, but the best part of it is the, you know, the, the combination of Jose Carioca and Donald Duck. Those scenes are great. Um, and yeah, I think this, this is a, uh, a worthwhile uh, number five pick. It's a great spot <laughs> to get those, those uh, lesser known things that exactly. people might be like, what is that? You know, just, you know, <laughs> get get people to uh, check things out. So, yeah, I think that's a great one. Yeah. Or just those weirdly childhood ones that stood out to you for some reason, but maybe right. not, not for the wider. That's what I like. Right. Amanda, what are your thoughts on Jose Carrera? So it has been a long time since I've seen anything like from the Three Caballeros, but I always watched the Disney sing-along that had the Three Caballeros, and that was always my fa- one of my favorite ones. And so I love Jose. I just love I just love like the green and everything and all the coloring, and he's just a fun character. Like I don't have like a whole lot of knowledge of like who he is character-wise, but like you know I'll see him when I go to like Disney World and I'll do the the little boat ride in the Mexico pavilion. And then like, I would always see him in the Disney sing-alongs for it. Um, so like, I like anything involving three caballeros. So that's always cool. <laughs> Love it. Amanda, what's your number four? My number four pick is Sterling Holloway's performance as the Cheshire Cat. Um, and so the reason I went with that one is it wasn't his first role by any means, but that was like the first one I kind of, re- that it like really stands out pri- before like he started doing like Winnie the Pooh and Ka and you hear him like as, as Winnie the Pooh. Like that was, that was kind of the one where you started really recognizing the voice. And I, you know, I love cats. I've always loved cats. <laughs> and the Cheshire Cat was always my favorite character in Alice in Wonderland. And then, you know, I would watch it when I'm little. I'm like, oh, that's Winnie the Pooh. And then finding out that really Winnie the Pooh is the Cheshire Cat. And then also finding <laughs> that like Sterling Holloway is from Cedartown, which is like just down the road. Oh, so wow. that was kind of neat. <laughs> Amazing. Clive, your thoughts on Sterling Holloway as the Cheshire Cat? Okay, first of all, uh, Sterling Holloway, it was very hard. He's not on my list, and it was a very hard cut. Part of why um, is simply because if we were doing the uh, 
the 60s through the 80s or 60s through the 70s, decline, wilderness, that era, era, he probably would have been my number one because Sterling Holloway is brilliant. Honestly, between him and, um, oh, I can't think of his name, uh, the voice of Blue. Um, oh, I, I know who you're talking about. I can't think Phil of Phil Harris. Either. Thank you. Those two voices are the ones that started me getting interested in voice acting. Like I, they're the ones that made me start to pay attention to the similarities in characters, voices and all that kind of good stuff. Started my, my love of voice acting. And so um, like, like I said, if it had been like a, you know, if it had been Winnie the Pooh era, yeah, he was the voice of my childhood. So that that's done. But, you know, you make a good point, Amanda. Uh, you know, he had at least three prominent roles during this era. Mr. Stork, Flower, and the Cheshire Cat. The Cheshire Cat is definitely the one that stands out. Um, a lot of people might not even know he does some of those other voices. So this is really kind of the beginning of his uh, work with, with Disney. And while they are great, um, it wasn't, I, I wanted to bring eyes and, and ears to other uh, performances, but absolutely Sterling Holloway, uh, great mention, great addition to the list. Oh, I not love a pick about Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Sterling Holloway made my number one for when we did um, recurring voice actors for a lot of the reason you guys have mentioned, just that litany of voices, especially from the 30s all the way to the 70s. So it was, I didn't want to reiterate those points, but what I really love is what you guys are saying about how this is the first one you really notice Sterling is that voice and is that real iconic whistly or just the way he has the expectations. Like I always think he went that way. Like he really punctuates the tease. He's yeah. so slinky when he's coming in singing the moan rats. Like he's just yeah. really is a good way to balance that creepy and intriguing in a kid-friendly way, not so much in a Willy Wonka boat scene way. Like it's still quite intriguingly <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> not walking away terrified. So I yeah. love this pick. Another thing you know, he's not one of those voices that sounds completely different every time. He sounds very much the same, but he's always doing something different with his voice. He can do that, that uh, charming, I will believe, trust everything you say from Winnie the Pooh. And then he can do that sly, you know, uh, call. And then the mischievous, uh, you know, uh, Cheshire Cat, basically the same voice, but he is imbuing it with, with that character so much that it, it's completely different. No, absolutely. A great point. Clay, what's your number four? My number four. So um, this is probably uh, the name on my list that most people are going to be like, who is that? I've never heard of that name. Uh, but when I was looking at this, because it is performances, not necessarily voice actors specifically, when I thought about the performance, I just had to put it on the list. And that is uh, Luis or Louis Van Ruten. Um, he is, and I, I started to put him on my, like I said, my preliminary list of just voices that intrigued me, performances that intrigued me. Um, I was going to put him on that, you know, list uh, because he voices the Grand Duke in Cinderella. But what I didn't Ooh. realize is that he also voices 
the king in Cinderella, which means that during most of his scenes, he is having a conversation completely with himself because those two characters almost exclusively interact with each other. There's a little bit with the prince and the king. There's a little bit with, you know, at the end with the the archduke. Um, But the majority, or grand duke, sorry. The majority of the time that he is delivering dialogue, he is having a conversation with himself. And I just absolutely love that. And, And it's not just, you know, uh, flat, you know, one note or anything like both of these characters go through levels during this scene. And I, I'm I'm sure it was we'll record one character and then we'll record another. But any any performer that has the ability to do voices that differently also has the ability to turn it around and probably do it back and forth with each other. I've I've heard that in different like uh like uh you know live audio performances and things like and it's the the most insane entertaining thing uh not only to uh you know be a part of but just to think about th- what they the mental gymnastics they are having to do and and the vocal gymnastics on top of it but like i said both of these characters neither of them are one note they are playing so many different levels you know, one of them, you know, starts off very fearful and, you know, gets high pitched. And and then we've got the very pleasant, the king, and then, oh, you know, the, the insanity when, you know, he thinks the prince is going to go. Like, the fact that he was doing all of that at the same time, and the fact that I could probably hear it now going back, but I never would have told you that those two voices were being done by the same performer. Never. No, so I had no yeah. idea. This is... This is a surprise and like I can't wait to go back and watch and really have a look because I remember the Grand Duke voice a lot more. The oh, king absolutely. to me is a little, not generic, but your standard kingly what we see. Yeah, exactly. But to know it's from the same person as what you're saying, to be so in a character that you you, you have to live in that character somehow, like yeah. it's so difficult. But, oh, I can't wait to rewatch that now. Amanda, what are your thoughts on this choice? Yeah, I did not realize that they were voiced by the same actor. And I have so much respect for anybody that can play two different roles that talk to each other because it is that is hard. Like I've done voiceover before and it's even even recording like separately. It feels really weird knowing that like the person you're talking to is you and you're having to feed off of yourself (laughs) and be somebody else. And the way I kind of always I kind of describe it is like it's like having all four eyes running on the stove at the same time. And so like, sometimes you have to take this off the burner while you're mixing something else, but you can't forget about it because that's still there. And so it's like, you have to, it's a weird way you have to separate everything in your head. And so I, I know how hard it is and that's just so cool. Oh, amazing. I yeah don't have that insight. So thank you for that. That's, that's great. Uh, my number four, we are sticking in the realm of Cinderella. As we talk about Eileen Woods as Cinderella. So we have our first three princesses in this decade. We have Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, and Cinderella. I'm going to go with Cinderella. I think Sleeping Beauty has the most beautiful voice of them all, but being less the gift of song, she sounds extremely mature for a 16-year-old, and there's sometimes I get that little bit of disconnect, as much as I love that character and those scenes, and those, but those... um 
really deep vocals she has like she has a woman's voice basically for such a young girl whereas what i find with eileen woods is letting cinderella be 19 being that little bit older that little bit more grown she's she can balance that maturity and sweetness a little nicer so you see that kindness with the budding maturity and i think it's that voice that suits her the soft sweet design and brings out the hopes and dreams of the character because cinderella is all about dreams whatnot so i think that voice levels it out and we get to see her moments of heartbreak and feel sorry for her and the tones that she's able to bring out and of course the quintessential song for cinderella's a dream is wish your heart makes but i think the most beautiful she sounds is in those things sweet nightingale when she's cleaning the floors with the bubbles i find that in completely mesmerizing the vocal tones that she's making in that one so amanda what are your thoughts on eileen woods and cinderella she has the most just pleasant voice as mm. as a princess and as a character um she's just somebody like you know you hear her and it's 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 a soothing voice without it sounding yeah. like you know she's trying to like she's not it's not trying to sound soothing it's just naturally that way and so like it fills it's filled with so much just optimism and that's what's so i mean that's what's great about cinderella as a character is that she's in a terrible situation but she doesn't she never gives up hope no matter what and you know it's easy to say oh she just waited around it's like no she wished all this upon her it was like her own desire is what brought the fairy godmother so i mean it was her own strength that brought that forward and she just hearing her sing is just so nice because it's like it sounds so effortless and that yeah. i think is what makes her stand out i 100 percent agree it's um cinderella is that case of sometimes all you can do is just keep hoping for the best and making it through each day and i would bring that, that optimism to that so absolutely clay what are your thoughts on eileen woods and cinderella uh, well, I'm I'm really glad that you put her on this list um, because, I mean, you could argue that, you know, the early princesses don't get a lot of uh, press, especially the voices of them. Um, but I would say Cinderella in particular doesn't get much mention. Um, you know, Adriana Casalotti gets mentioned here and there because she was the first. Um, and then Mary Costa had that background. I mean, her her performance as the, the singing <laughs> in Sleeping Beauty yeah. cannot be uh, spoken against. Um, but Cinderella doesn't get, you know, Eileen Woods doesn't get a lot of press. Uh, so I right. like that we're talking about her. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, she definitely plays the princess well, as well as the singing. Um, so, you know, it's a good marriage there. Um, and I, the Sing Sweet Nightingale is honestly one of my favorite, uh, scenes in this film. Uh, just, I mean, the, the whole thing that they do with the bubbles is brilliant. The bubbles? I love that. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's an out of the box choice, but I love it because like, like I said, uh, isn't an, enough said about this performance. And I think it's, especially for some of the early uh, princesses, it's 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 a great one. I remember rewatching this not too long ago and being surprised how much mm. Cinderella actually stands up for herself. 
A lot of the early yes. princesses just get pushed aside and said, oh, they just, you know, they were just there to get rescued by the prince, blah, 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 blah. But Cinderella actually is maybe not the strongest of characters, but compared to a lot of the the, the princesses, a, a decently strong princess, especially for, for this, uh, this era. So, um, yeah, great, great choice. Amanda, what's your number three? So my number three choice, I honestly, I could have pulled every single character from this movie, um, but <laughs> I decided I wanted to to do my, my personal standouts. And this is from Lady and the Tramp. It's Joey and, Joe and Tony. So the characters, I think it's George Gavot. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm, I'm assuming it's G-I-V-O-T. So I'm assuming it's George Gavot. And then Bill Thompson, who we're going to get into Bill Thompson again later. Um, <laughs> but but you know when they sing Bellanote, that is such a beautiful scene, and it's so sweet and adorable. But my absolute favorite moment is when he's saying that dogs can't talk, and he goes, "Well, he's a talking to me," and <laughs> he goes, "Okay, talking to you." And that scene, oh my gosh, like it just runs through my head. And anytime I hear somebody say he's talking to me, that's the, that's the first scene that comes to mind. Like. <laughs> And I love that moment. And it's just so funny. And so that is, it It stands out the absolute most out of everybody in that in that movie. Oh, love it. Clay, what are your thoughts on Joe and Tony? Uh, yeah, another great choice. I think they're a great double act. Um, mm. Sometimes what really makes a character work is when they have a great scene partner. Um, and I think that's definitely the case here. I don't think maybe Amanda would have chosen Joe on his own or Tony on his own. No. There's a it, reason it's both of she them. chose it, them it together. Exactly. It takes both of them to really sell uh, what makes both of these characters so great. Uh, so, yeah, I really um, I enjoy the, this, uh, you know, uh, this performance as well. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, calling out Bella Notte, this is during the time when Disney had all of their performers do their own singing, you know, uh, we probably wouldn't have gotten some characters, uh, you know, do doing this otherwise, but yeah, it's, um, uh, quite, uh, it's, it's a great point. And it's not a song that needs to be like the greatest song. It needs to be sung by the greatest artist in the world. It is just, you know, it's it it's it is a sweet kind of it's the love song of the the film. Um, but I like that they're letting Joe and Tony um perform it rather than you know uh what they did in Lion King and took the song away from Timon and Pumbaa. I'm just telling you. Uh Can You Feel the Love Tonight would have been so much better sung by those two. Um uh, but yeah, I, I I love the fact that they're getting to do this love song, and it is uh, you know it's 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 just great, great stuff. And I just I just love their banter back and forth. It's yeah. they have such the chemistry between the two is just spot on. Uh, I completely echo what you guys are saying. It's funny because we get those dynamic switches all the time because obviously the dogs can talk amongst themselves, but when we're interacting with humans, they can't speak. So we need our humans to interact and steal and run the scenes. So I, I, I love um, when I think it's Tony Cool's uh, Tramp Pooch. I think that's cute. They give him the steak. Of course, you got your spaghetti and meatballs in. So them being the back and being the fourth uh, and then pushing that forward 
so good. So completely iconic characters. You've seen merchandise nowadays of like Tony's menu with Lady and the Tramp on the front. I'd love to see that. So I think they're getting their dues a little bit more. Great choice. Clay, what's your number three? My number three. Okay, so uh, Amanda has mentioned that she could have made all of her choices from Lady and the Tramp. When I was looking at this, I, I never actually put together a list that was just this film. But when I was looking at one particular uh, cast list, I was like, you could make your entire list just by looking at the, this cast list because it was just insane. But this is the one um, the one performance that I pulled from this film, and that is uh, J. Pat O'Malley as uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, the walrus and the car, that entire section is done by J. Pat O'Malley. Yeah. The entire thing. So just like with Lu- Luis Van Ruten doing, you know, a dialogue by himself, they did an entire scene. Uh, J. Pat O'Malley did an entire scene, not voicing just two characters, but four characters. So I had to, had to put them on my list. And I will say that the majority, and I think he, he, you know, that also includes the mother oyster. Um, but I will say the majority of the, the voices he does here all sound very similar. Um, you know, the, uh, the carpenter and uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum are pretty much all the same voice. But what I did not know, because I was going to when I looked at this cast, I definitely want to get the voice of the walrus because I've always loved the voice of the walrus. And I didn't realize that that was also J. Pat O'Malley. And again, I'm sure that they recorded it separately, but the vocal gymnastics, because that means that he that they did this scene, um, the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of other things. Now, yes, I just did that. That is not an easy thing to do. And I'm sure I did it nowhere near as good as J. Pat O'Malley. Um, so the fact that he would go back and forth between that, that high, high whining nasally voice and the very big verbose walrus. Love it. Love it. And it's, it, it sounds like just a uh, play for you know for for a voice artist and so i i love to see that in action and like i said that that you know the cabbages and kings thing has always been a thing for me i don't know why i just love it it's great um so you know the fact that he got to do that whole section by himself basically they just gave him a whole section of the movie and just said have fun um it, <laughs> i mean it it had to be sung out and like i said you could have made your entire list based on alice in wonderland and nobody would have scoffed um but i definitely had to uh call out j pat o'malley doing an entire segment by himself i'm so happy you got to do the time has come because that's the part i was gonna butcher absolutely (laughs) butcher because that is what i think of the war is that very brash um yeah as you said bassy full voice and then it's, it's contrasting with the tweedles it's yeah. it is very impressive and i wholeheartedly agree alison Wonderland has just a wide cast of characters and very variety of voices because you get to play so much in that land it just really lends itself to it amanda what yeah. do you think of uh jay pat o'malley and his litany of voices in the scene 
Well, once again, I did not realize it was all voiced by the same person, but that was always my favorite scene in the movie. So that is a a what a brilliant choice for sure. Because yeah, I always liked watching that scene. I don't know why it just always stood out to me. Like there was no particular reason I liked it. I was just like, I like this part. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could almost argue that to have a reason to like Alice in Wonderland would kind of go against the whole idea of Alice in Wonderland because it is nonsense. (laughs) Sometimes I love what happens on these countdowns is that everyone sort of gets a bit in the hive mind. So we've had a duo from Lady and the Tramp and then we've had the same person voicing multiple characters from Alice in Wonderland. And now I'm going to go Edwin the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland, but now I feel free to talk about Jerry Colonna at the same time because very much in the same way of Lady and the Tramp, that is a duo act. Absolutely. Matt Hatter gets so much more of the attention, which is fair because the voice that Edwin is providing is so comical and so playful and so distinct that Alan Tudyk copies it for King Candy, let's be fair. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. But I always loved Jerry Colonna and March Hare as well because you need that real Groucho Marx vaudeville, very interesting, like those little points that are playing off the Mad Hatter. You can't just have one or the other. But what I do like is the way Edwin pronounces things and his vocal mannerisms is very much in the same way of I start to emulate that as well. So like mustard. Let's not be silly. Like, I'll start pronouncing the words that they say. That's different. (laughs) I was with you know who. I do. (laughs) It's just so whimsical and representative of, as Clay, what you're saying, it's a nonsense film. That is nonsense characters and their mad tea party. That is hands down one of the most scenes I've watched over and over again. And I just don't get sick of it. March hair, move down, move down, move down. Like, it's just. Great. So um, these two together, number three. Amanda, what are your thoughts on March Hare and Mad Hatter? I'm taking That both. is another one where it's like just the perfect duo. And yeah. there are so many just like brilliant duos just in Disney films. And it's, they would both be good characters on their own, but when they are playing off of each other, it is just that back and forth. It makes it so perfect. And, you know, just Edwin's voice is such a memorable performance in general (laughs) absolutely clay what are your thoughts on edwin and jerry colonna i'm so glad you made this a duo because i mean yes edwin is great on his own but again jerry colonna does not get the praise that he should never because this and their double act is is brilliant it is absolutely it's what makes this segment of the film and i mean you just mentioned it but have you ever tried to do the clean cup bit that he does there? It uh, is a tongue twister. Clean cup, oh, yes. Clean cup, clean cup, I can't clean do cup, it. Damn, clean cups. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's like, because he, he says it like three times in a row, and I was like, I can't do that. I, I mean, I could probably do it if I like worked on it quite a while, but that is so impressive that he was able to bust <laughs> that out. Um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, the the energy and it, it's manic from both of them, but it's a completely different version. And that is such that that would have been such a pothole for a lot of other performers that basically would have been coming at the same level. But they yes. they both approach it from such a unique 
aspect that it it doesn't it it doesn't overlap each other. It it converges in the the exact perfect way. Um, you know, and and like I said, that is a lot harder than you might think. So yeah, I I, I love that we're talking about both of them. Amanda, what's your number two choice? So my number two choice um, is from a movie that like. I don't watch the movie because it makes me cry, but this scene makes it like worth watching. And this, or I'll just watch the scene. This was another one that was on a Disney sing-along that I would listen to over and over. And this is the Hall Johnson choir singing When I See an Elephant Fly from Dumbo as the Crows. And I I cannot watch Dumbo at all. Like, I, <laughs> like, I cannot get through the movie. There are no like, moments in it that make it like aside from the song there's like nothing else that makes it not sad but i just i love that song so much i don't know what it is about it i think i just like that that like kind of jazzy choir sound to it as well and it's just it's so it's such a funny song like i'm not gonna sit here and sing it because you don't want to hear that um <laughs> it's it's one that like i'll hear like little bits of like Someone will mention like a horse fly or something. And I, I just want to start singing it every single time. So it had it had a lot of impact on me and it still does. It's definitely a song that I just I just love it. And this their performance was great. Amazing, Clay. What are your thoughts on the How Johnson Choir? Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I totally get you guys' thoughts about Dumbo. Uh I will say, and I've said this before, there was actually for the longest time on the studio lot, they it was like a test they would put somebody in Dumbo and see how long it took them to cry. It was like an endurance test to see who could last the longest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. I not last any time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're getting some talk about, you know, Dumbo. It's not one that would have a lot of standout vocal performances in it. Um, and I will say, I definitely do like, uh, the song itself, uh, and I like um, the you know the that bit of the performance. Obviously, there's unfortunately the whole crow thing that's tied in there, so it's a little dicey. Um, I get why they basically completely cut it out of the the new version, um, but I do enjoy that song. I've mm. always thought that that's a fun song. Uh, I wish there weren't those problematic elements tied into it. Um, but I, I, I like the the song itself. And I like the fact that we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, me the first time song. I heard it. And even now I'm just like, I just like the song. Okay. I just I like <laughs> the song. I like their little yeah. outfits. I, I like mean, everything about them. It's not like you're, you're calling out the performance of Dandy Crow. Okay, it's 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 just the song. Exactly. That's good. It's fine. I I agree. Like I love the wordplay in the song. It's very fun. Mm. And what's also nice is that we've talked like ten minutes. I'm pretty sure is exactly how long I can get into Dumbo because I like that beginning with the Casey Juniors coming around the track yeah. and Mr. Stork. There's so much in Dumbo I actually like. I like um, Timothy Q. Mouse and Artie Lang is going to be one of my honourable mentions. I think that's a great voice and, an, and a very important character because when I rewatch that, I'm like, he stood up to bullies, like, go that little mouse. He made things happen. And when, we see, when I see an elephant fly, we get to use as the ending scene with Dumbo and the joy. So that is a more joyful song and we deserve that after... <laughs> 
whenever I see the gif of that baby elephant and that one tear down, like Alan will send that to me mm-hmm. when he just wants to be cruel to me. Like <laughs> when he wants to tease me, he'll be like this elephant tear. Yeah, if so baby I mine like doesn't know. make you cry, I don't think you have yeah. feelings. I always joke that it, like if I were to ever have kids, which I mean I'm not, but that's beside the point. If I were to ever have kids and my kid wanted to watch Dumbo, I'd just be like, I don't know what that movie is. That's just that's just a ride at Disney. It's not a movie. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I would just pretend I have no idea what it is. Clay, what's your number two choice? My number two. So you guys both got a duo. I get a duo. Um, <laughs> this is my duo pick, and I was Really glad that I came up with this because I was trying so hard to mention both of these names because especially if we were making a, you know, vocal artist list, they would have to be in it somewhere on somebody's list because they're just huge heroes in especially this era of Disney. Um, But when I was just thinking about my favorite performances immediately one part of it uh, jumped to my mind. And then I was like, but can I do that without mentioning the other? And I was like, no, I can't. So my number two is the duo of Meriwether and Flora from Sleeping Beauty. Because, I mean, I almost just said uh, Meriwether um, because... She probably is my favorite character in that film. But when I think about the scenes of hers that I love, it wouldn't mean as much without the setup of Flora. Um, and these are, of course, uh, the vo- voice talents of Barbara Luddy as uh, Meriwether and Verna Felton as Flora. Verna Felton had to be on my list somewhere because, my goodness, when you talk about a champion of early Disney vocal artists, um, Verna Felton is near the top, top of the list. Um, she did um, a character in so many films. I mean, during the 1950s, she was in every Disney, Disney animated film except for Peter Pan. Just one. Um, and she was also the voice of uh, the elephant matriarch uh, in uh, Dumbo, uh, great villain character uh, in that. So I, she had to be on the list. And then Barbara Luddy um, not only plays Meriwether, but also was the voice of Lady in Lady and the Tramp. And that's another one you put side by side and you're like, oh, these are the same the same artists. And it's like, they they do sound similar, but just the difference in these two characters, it's like, those are the same? Really? It's hard to match wow. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, again, just getting back to this role in particular, I love Meriwether and Flora's back and forth. Um, they have, hands down, one of my favorite interactions in, uh, especially this era of Disney. But there is a scene where Meriwether is, or sorry, Flora, uh, uh, Flora is trying to make a dress without magic and she's doing a horrible job. And uh, Meriwether, not one to pull punches, just looks at it because she's using her as the dress form. And she just looks at all of this fabric piled on top of her and she just goes, it looks awful. And of course, Flora, not to be uh, undone, just says, 
That's because it's on you, dear. I <laughs> I love a beat there. No, either. that's I, why no, it, is, so it is immediate and it's great because I'm like Meriwether not pulling punches and uh, Flora bringing down the fire. My <laughs> God. <laughs> It's just I love that interaction and I love the the interaction between these two throughout this this film. Um you know and uh Fauna is also great in this but she's kind of always off doing her own thing. She's never involved in the bickering. It's really these two and that's kind of what makes these characters is that whole thing that they are doing. So I yeah I, I, I had to uh, put them as a duo on this list. Amanda, what are your thoughts on Flora and Meriwether? Definitely. Um, Barbara Letty was one of my honorable mentions for sure. Like it was really hard for me to not put Lady on there. Cause I just loved, I love Lady's voice. She just, it's such a, such a, just it's distinct without it being like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe her voice. I just, I like it, um, <laughs> but just their bickering, just that scene in particular is it's like, it sounds like something that they just, that's how they bicker all the time. Like, and it just, neither one of them even cares. They're just it's like, so natural. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I love that we're using the term bickering. Cause I think that's just spot on. But also what I like is that like at the blessing scene at the start, Meriwether's uh, too nervous to go off and do it. And Flora's like, go on, dear, like very encouraging as well. So it gives me very big sister, little sister dynamics at times. So I think um, both of those ladies just knock it out of the park for this voice. It's great. Awesome. Brings a lot of fun to the film when sometimes there's not always a lot of fun there. So it, it's great. Uh, my number two, Cliff Edward as Jiminy Cricket. I mean, I have a little Jiminy Cricket figure sitting on my computer desk at work, so how could I not include him in the film? Jiminy Cricket, official conscience, brought to life by Cliff Edwards. And what an important character in the Disney canon. I've said it before, when you wish upon a star is, is the ethos of the studio. It's the theme song, basically. We hear it before we see every Disney movie with the when you wish upon a star and the castle theme. So this is something that's just going to live on in perpetuity, I think, is always being associated with the studio and I think they used to open Wonderful Word of Walt with him maybe possibly back in the day and Tinkerbell as well. Um, yeah, I, th I, th I mean, he was used for... So much. He, he basically became like the, uh, even more sometimes than Mickey and Goofy and Donald, kind yeah. of the symbol of... That Disney little mascot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, and a big part of that is Cliff Edwards and how he brings Jiminy to life because in my head I always think of him as being very wholesome all the time but he actually goes through levels when I rewatch Pinocchio lately I'm like no he like snaps at Pinocchio and he walks off and he gets a, rough, a little bit tough love with him and whatnot but then at yeah. the end of the day just that shot of him sitting on the windowsill singing when you wish upon a star uh, you know, when your dreams come true he hits that really high note the head goes back like without that high note we have that, that's the, the clincher right there. Oh, so, yeah. Clay, what are your thoughts on Jiminy Cricket? Uh, so this was one of the very first names that popped into my head. The only reason it's not on that my list is I was sure someone would. Um, and honestly, it would have been in uh, rivalry for my number number one spot as well. Uh, so, like, it, it, it is, it, it's an iconic performance. Like I said... Uh, Jiminy Cricket transcended this film. 
uh, as did the song. And yeah, I mean, you know, obviously his uh, performance as Jiminy Cricket and, you know, just the, the, the character itself is great, but that song, that voice, and, you know, it's just that, that warm, when you wish upon, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's velvety and, you know, and it's rich and that is just so iconic in so many different ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I knew that it had to have a, a place on, on somebody's list, which is the only reason I left it off of mine, but yeah, ab- absolutely deserves, uh, this placement. Amanda, what are your thoughts on Jiminy Cricket? Okay, so Jiminy Cricket, his voice actor is phenomenal. He gives a phenomenal performance. Jiminy Cricket, the character, annoys me to no end. And the reason <laughs> I say this, and this is like on good part, this is like props to the voice actor because of it. Because anytime you see Jiminy Cricket, you know you're about to get a lecture. It doesn't matter what <laughs> it is. You're about to get lectured on something. Like you watch some movie and Jiminy Cricket comes in like, oh crap, it's some educational crap movie. Great. And then he comes in and starts telling you stuff. Like, stupid Jiminy Cricket telling me about science. I don't care. <laughs> but at the same time, like... That's, that, that speaks words, worlds to the actor himself that he just, he makes me just so annoyed that like he's doing his job perfectly because of that. Oh, it takes, but I love it. Yeah, Amanda. yeah, no, it's great. Amanda, what's your number one? Okay, so this was hard, but I had to go with Mr. Smee in Peter Ooh. Pan voice of bill thompson and it was funny when i was looking up like characters i swear every single it's like oh i like this character voice by bill thompson this character oh, i want to add this one. Oh, okay fine i will go with one main character he ended up like in the duo too but that's beside the point but <laughs> like i love mr smee he is i think what i love about mr smee is he's a nice guy and he has to deal with mean old captain hook and even like little kid me with horrific anxiety loved Mr. Smee because I feel like I always felt like Mr. Smee would be nice to me. And he was, you know, he had a huge heart. He just was working for the wrong guy. It wasn't really, he couldn't really help it. That's just, that's just where he ended up. And he was just trying his best. And just that voice is just so just, you hear it and it, it stands out as very much a standout voice. Cause wasn't he also the white rabbit in. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. And so it's that comical voice, but at the same time you, you get so much heart from it. And that's what I love about Mr. Smee. So that he had to be my number one choice because of that. Love it. Clay, what are your thoughts on Bill Thompson and Mr. Smee? Uh, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, and you're right. Yeah. Bill Thompson was another one on my list of possible uh, inclusions. Um, I mean, yeah, because he did uh, the White Rabbit, the Dodo, uh, Mr. Smee, uh, King Hubert in um, Sleeping Beauty. Uh, mm, okay. Probably, though, my f- choice for this would have been Jock 
from Lady in the Train. That was an honorable mention for me. Because it's such a different voice yep. compared to all of those others. All of those others sound somewhat similar. Um, but Jock is just such a, an interesting, you know, uh, play on that. You can still kind of hear Bill Thompson in there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, him as Mr. Smee, it kind of, and I'm sure it's not the first time, but it's one of the first big notable times, like you said, kind of that trope of the villain's henchman who's seems too nice for the side that he's on, you know, um, you know, we, we would get some of these uh, later. Um, one of the, the biggest ex examples for me, I'm thinking LeFou um, oh. from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, Cause I'm like, why are you Gaston's friend? He just beats you all the time. And you're actually kind of a, yeah, I mean, probably still a, a, a jerk in his own way, but not as bad as Gaston, um, you know? Um, but yeah, Mr. Smee definitely kind of gives you those, those vibes. And yeah, that, that voice, that, that high pitched performance of, of Bill Thompson uh, is just, it's, it's great. It's great. And we all know, uh, as well, that Mr. Smee loves his mother. So, you know, gotta gotta sing that out. What I love about this choice, Amanda, is that if you look at that design, that's not necessarily the voice that I would pick to go with it. So it is very much what Bill Thompson is bringing to it. If you're talking pirate, I'm not automatically thinking something that's a bit, well, not baby voice, but quite squeaky and quite soft. Yeah. Yeah, it's very affected. So I, I think that is an amazing what the voice actor can bring out of the character, what how it just enhances the animations. Because as you said, he has so much heart. He really does care for his captain. And so the ups and downs you sort of hear in those vocals when he's, oh, captain, you know, like those little bits like that and making him his um, hot water and looking after him. And, yeah, it's great. Love Mr. Smee. Clay, what's your number one? Okay. Uh, my number one... Um, this was tough because I had a lot of possibilities. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about some of them uh, in just a little bit. Um, but um, when, you know, like I said, I, I ruled out ones that I was pretty sure people were, were going to use because I wanted to give as much of a runway, um, at, you know, get, bring as, as much different uh, knowledge that we could. Um, but I honestly, at one point I could have made this entire list of completely villains because yes. there are some great ones during this time. Um, one that I'm just going to quickly mention, didn't make the list, but uh, definitely in my honorable mentions was Hans Conrad as Captain Hook. My number one honorable mention as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a great, great performance. And I honestly had a very hard time yes. taking him off of this list. Um, but, um, you know, when I go into... And what I love about Hans Conried is that he is kind of that bumbling comical villain. While still definitely... Captain Hook definitely has an edge to him. There are probably definitely moments that would have scared children. But on the whole... Captain Hook was kind of a lovable, bumbling villain. And so I wanted to kind of highlight the ones that are my favorite, which are those chilling, just you can tell are 
loving every single moment of their villainy. Um, and there was one very obvious choice, which I chose to, to move past. And I went instead to the archetype that I think created this, at least in Disney films. And that was the voice of Lucille Laverne as the queen slash slash, uh, evil hag witch, whatever you want to call her, in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Because not only is she creating two very distinct characters, the queen and the witch are very distinct. And in fact, for the longest time, I did not know that they were voiced by the same woman. I, I actually would have believed you if you told me that they were two different performers because they are so different. Uh, and you can definitely hear the, the similarities if you're paying attention. But I love the performance specifically of the witch because you can tell she is having so much fun <laughs> with this character. This is kind of the prototype, super arch, I'm evil and I'm loving it kind of performance. And um, there is also a story that in order to help differentiate the uh, the uh, performances, Lucille Laverne actually took out her teeth for the performance of The Witch, which you can actually kind of hear because there's kind of a wet gumminess in the performance. You know, it, to the point wherein there are some moments where she almost sounds a little drunk. There's honestly my favorite portion of the film when she's coming down to uh, go uh, to a boat to, to, you know, go seek out Snow White. And she passes by a little dungeon and there is a skeleton reaching for a jar of water. Obviously, this prisoner did not get there. Didn't happen. But as she passes by, she just goes, how you doing? Thirsty? <laughs> and I love, and I, I just, I love that performance because she does sound drunk, but she is also just like, she's like, I have been having to pretend that I'm not as evil as I am. And I'm just going to let it all hang out now. <laughs> and it's just, it is grand. It is beautiful. and. This is a little less the vocal performance than the animation, but you can also hear it. I love the the scene when Snow White eats the apple because we don't watch Snow White during that. We watch the witch and to see how and hear how the witch is reacting to Snow White biting the apple and then slowly starting to feel the effects and then dropping to the ground. It's it's brilliant. It is a brilliant uh, way of telling stories done in an animated film. And I just love it. Absolutely. Amanda, what are your thoughts on Lucille Laverne as the evil queen? She had so many just wonderful moments. And she, like you were saying, she definitely like created that archetype of mm. just pure evil villain willing to do whatever it takes to get what she wanted, even if it meant like sacrificing her own looks basically by turning into the hideous hideous witch 
hag, whatever you want to call her. She had some, just so many great moments that I had forgotten about the thirsty. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my gosh. The one that stands out to me and one I've like rewatched a fair bit is when she's making her potion because that's when you start to start to see her let loose a little bit. And it reads like very much like if she was on the stage, it's like a gust of wind to fan my hate. So it'll be loud and then draw it back in and just all the different ways of all the, when she's putting all the different ingredients together, mix it with a thunderbolt crack, like it's great. So you need that real stage performance, which is what you're pulling from in, in the early Disney era because like this is the first ever and full animated film it really does set the tone with what's to come for our princesses for our villains for our sidekicks so a lot of the vocal performances from Snow White are amazing we're going to go to my number one Amanda's number five Eleanor Audley as Maleficent Amanda I cut you off earlier so please start <laughs> why, why did Maleficent make your number five so I had to definitely include her on the list, but I didn't I didn't put her at number one because it just seemed like an obvious choice. <laughs> that was I wanted to go with something a little different. Um, but she is she calls on the demons of hell. Like I cannot think of a more pure evil incarnate character than Maleficent. And her performance, just hearing her, everything she says, like if I were to meet her in real life and just have somebody talk to me like that, I would be terrified. I would be terrified and I would just start crying. Be like, I don't want to talk to her. She's mean. <laughs> um, and like, I know this took place way later, but I think having Maleficent as one of the main evil characters or main villains in Kingdom Hearts was also a really good choice. Yeah. Now I can go on and on about why I don't think Pete should have been her henchman because Pete is Pete is not a bad guy. He's just stupid. <laughs> but that's, it's that's, an that's, odd that's pairing. a whole other thing. Yeah. I mean, this is the one for me. This is my all-time Disney villain, one of my favorite characters, personality, and in my favorite movies. So yes, the design is amazing. Those angular features, the horns, the billowing black cloak, and of course, dragon form. But so much of what Eleanor Audley brings to Maleficent is what is the part that makes her great because she has levels. The first scene we see her in, in the blessing, we hear the lightning crack, green flame, and she just arises and like she is here. But she's never angry. She um she speaks in those Jane Austen tones of what I call of being very polite to someone's face and saying the most cutting things. So it's like the nobility, the regentry, the gentry, and the rabble. It's so good. She doesn't have to be so bitter and spiking. She doesn't overplay it, which is what I really like about it. She plays it subdued, but that's what makes it read even louder. So like, oh, you're not wanted. No, not wanted. Oh, dear. What an awkward situation. Like, it's, it's so good. And then she does get to have those levels, um, even in the same scene where she goes, listen well, all of you, commands the stage. That's where I took my quote for best quote because I think it is very that commanding of attention. Like, she is the one. And, Amanda, as you said, one of my all-time favourite scenes is, now shall you deal with me, dear prince, and all the powers of hell and then dragon form. Yes. So, I love that scene. <laughs> it's so brilliant. It's so good. So, Eleanor Audley, uh, yeah, it's just the instant number one for me. Clay, what are your thoughts on her? Yeah, uh, I could have easily made Eleanor Audley my number one. In fact, I did on at least one version of this <laughs> list. Um, but... 
yeah, uh, just what she is doing. And I, I will say if I was going to choose Eleanor Audley, I probably would have highlighted uh, Lady, uh, why can't Tremaine? I think of her name? Lady Tremaine. Um, because I love what she does with Maleficent, but she is like, honestly, the, the way that she performs in that movie, if you didn't know better, you would have thought that Cinderella had wronged her because (laughs) like the way that she comes after her is malicious and beautiful. There is something about Eleanor Audley's voice. There is a regalness to her voice, which is perfect because both of her big standout villains were uh, basically characters that thought that they should be higher positioned than they are. They have these ideas of regalness, but they don't have the position itself. And that is wrong. And it's just... The, the way that she, per, and like I said, she makes a fucking meal out of this, this, this villainy. She just is loving and slurping it up, enjoying it. She is drawing this out and it is, be- it is a beautiful vocal performance that she is doing in both of these films. And yeah, I mean, uh, it, she had to be on somebody's list, and I'm not surprised that she's a number one. Absolutely not. Oh, uh, well, that's our top fives each. Let's rattle off some quick, very quick honorable mentions. For me, a few have already got mentioned Hans Conrad as Captain Hook, Artie Lang as Timothy Q. Mouse, the true hero of Dumbo, in my opinion. And then I want to give a shout out to both um, Bing Crosby and Basil Rathbone for narrating um, Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, especially Bing Crosby in that. Um, uh, haunted, uh, the horseman scene, like I think yeah. Headless Horseman scene is yeah. fantastic. Amanda, what are some of your honorable mentions? My big one is Bill Thompson as Jock. It was really hard yeah. to not put him on the list um, just because like he had some really great one-liners in that one. And then also um, Barbara Luddy is uh, as Lady. So all of mine are pretty much from Lady and the yeah. Tramp. I don't know what it was about that movie, but there were so many <laughs> great performances. Clay, what are some of your honorable mentions? Okay, uh, Pinto Kolvik, who was the original voice of yes. Goofy, also voiced uh, Sleepy and Grumpy. Uh, Clarence Nash, the original voice of Donald Duck. If you ever want to hear a great story about the current voice of Donald Duck, talk to Amanda. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Hans Conrad as Captain Hook, already said. Bill Balcom as Trusty. I had a really hard time mm-hmm. leaving mm-hmm. off of this list. Miss Lady! ma'am just love it so good um adriana casalotti as snow white she is unsung especially because walt specifically yeah yeah, walt specifically kept her from getting work because she was the voice of snow white and that's messed up i mean yes he gave her work as well but yeah anyway um thorough ravenscroft um, did a bunch of voices during this time. Monstro and uh, a lot of uh, chorus voices as part of the Mellow Men. Uh, Roy Atwell as, as Doc. Will Wright as uh, Friend Owl. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, just some some other great. Uh, Peggy Lee. If you don't know about Peggy Lee, look her mm. up. She was phenomenal in Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm. And there's a badass story about her. Um <laughs> Uh, Mary Costa, uh, June Foray, uh, Catherine Beaumont, uh, 
even Deems yeah. Taylor as the MC from Fantasia deserves yeah. a shout out. Um, and much longer story, but uh, I just have to say this: Bobby Driscoll as Peter Pan. Um, they've talked a little bit about it with Rescue Rangers, but not nearly enough people have talked about the similarities that actually come from the the original voice actor of Peter Pan to that story. It's really sad what happened to Bobby Driscoll. And I would lay a lot of it at Walt Disney's feet. But, uh, yeah. Catherine Beaumont, I can't believe I didn't pick that for Wendy and Alice. Like, Wendy and Alice, Two back-to-back yeah. great performances. Oh, guys, thank you so much for coming on today. I've really loved counting down some classic characters with you both. And you can all join us all next time. And when you come to the end, <laughs> stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod. See you next time.